Hey guys, a new set of products coming your way. Um, I get these questions a lot, so I decided to go ahead and um, give you guys the items that I use to produce this podcast. Um, so here they are. The Bose Micro Soundlink, or Soundlink Micro rather. Uh, excellent quality. If you've heard any of my guest interviews, uh, that is primarily what I use to go ahead and do FaceTimes over, you know, any distance interviews or anything like that. So if you've heard any of those, you can hear the quality of the uh, audio. It's pretty good. Um, so the sound quality is out there. The bass is really good. Um, you can take it anywhere with you. Uh, it's good for phone calls as well. Waterproof. So you can take it out on the lake, you know, if you want to go ahead and use it on the water, take it on hikes, you could do that too. It has a durable strap on it, so that way you can strap it to your backpack, uh, handle on the cooler, anything like that, and take it with you, and it'll stick with you everywhere. Uh, obviously, it's Bluetooth, so you can pair it with your phone. Um, has a six-hour runtime, so pretty good. And the, like I said, for the level of quality of sound, you're going to get pretty solid six hours out of that. Um, you can also, a pretty cool feature that I personally haven't used yet because I only have one of them, but you can actually pair this Bluetooth speaker with other uh, Bose Bluetooth speakers and actually have them run in sync so you can spread the sound out. So like if you have a song playing on, you know, from your phone to the speaker, you can link another speaker to that speaker and you'll just have like two speakers in different spots playing the same music, which is pretty dope. Uh, the other item that I use to record, uh, which a lot of people ask me this one in particular, is the Blue Yeti mic. Uh, you can't go wrong with the Blue, Diet, Blue, Diet, Blue, 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 Blue Yeti mic. It, I mean, if you've heard any of the episodes, obviously, they sound awesome. And I'm using a Blue Yeti mic to record this as we speak. So the Blue Yeti mics, uh, the one that I have linked for you guys in the description has the whole setup. So it's not just the mic. Um, but it comes with everything else I use to mount it and make it really convenient to use. So this is a USB mic, obviously. Uh, no latency delays, so your inputs are pretty spot on. You can hear them in real time when you say something or if you're someone who's more into music. If you're using it for music purposes, all your inputs will be pretty spot on. Um, the microphone comes with... Uh, a nice, easy-to-use uh, bass, so you don't have to use the armature that I've linked for you. It comes with its standalone bass that you can just have the mic set up pretty much anywhere. You don't really need to uh, set up the armature. But it also comes with that removable bass. Uh, four different recording modes. So you got stereo, which is standard. You know, any mic will give you that. Uh, cardioid, which is pretty good too. Omnidirectional, uh, bidirectional. Uh, multiple recording situations so anybody in the room like if you have more than one person on the podcast you can have that set up so it records everybody in the room if you're facing each other you can have the microphone set up so that it will pick up directly in front of it and behind it and then also if you're using just uh, if you want to record almost like 180 degrees it has a mode for that and obviously if it's just you which is the way I usually use it um, you have that option too so Pretty versatile, awesome. But the uh, bundle that I've linked for you, it includes not only the microphone. This In this particular bundle, it'll be a red, satin red color uh, for the microphone. But you can see other bundles there that will give you different colors and stuff and similar setups. Um, but this one, the one that I've uh, set up for you, it will have the uh, kind of like a filter in front of it. So... It kind of saves the hard S's and stuff like that out of the audio. It makes it sound smoother. It's almost like a buffer. Uh, you're going to get that. You're going to get mount for it. And then you're also going to get the uh, susp suspension arm for it. So it'll be an adjustable armature that you can move back and forth and tighten it up or loosen it up. It's spring-loaded. It has these little straps on it, which keeps the wire out of the way. It's pretty awesome, but that's what I use. And you still have the ability to um, get the iRobots, um, the home cleaning systems, and that is 43% uh, up to select models. This offer is good until May 9th. So at that point, I'll probably do another ad and make uh, a new list of products for you guys to take a look at. Um, I went over this before, but these robots are pretty handy. Um, you can schedule uh, cleaning times with the app. 
or with your voice assistant like Alexa, Google, whatever it is. Um, it cleans carpet and hardwood, gets corners and edges. Uh, you also have sensors that help the uh, vacuum navigate furniture, corners, keeps it from falling downstairs. Um, so you don't really have to, to not you don't really have to worry about where it goes. Uh, it'll have sensors on it that can detect dirtier areas and it'll go there and clean those areas more thoroughly. So that's pretty awesome. You don't really have to monitor how well it cleans. It's pretty solid. Um, and it has a 90 minute runtime before it has to be uh, docked back on the charging station. And it does that automatically. Once it knows that the battery is low, it'll just mosey on over to the charging station and uh, mount right up. You don't even have to worry about it dying, you know, somewhere unless it gets caught on something. But like I said, the sensors are pretty good. I have one in my home. It does a great job. Uh, all I have to do is just empty out the, I guess, the storage space for whatever it picks up. Just got to empty that once in a while. But other than that, it's pretty low maintenance. Works really well. So uh, check those out. Links are in the description. And enjoy the episode. Salutations, everyone. Um, if you haven't already, I put up a Instagram profile for the show um, at the Autocaster. And that'll be my Instagram joint. And then I also have a Facebook page called The Autocast. If, you know, you haven't, go ahead and uh, jump on that. But, yeah, if you haven't done those things, I play uh, clips. You know, I'll give like a little sample on the Instagram page. And that way you can kind of listen to bits and pieces of each episode so that you can pick and choose what you want to listen to. Um, have some great guests on the horizon. Um, but... That is something that I want to share with y'all. And uh, anything, you know, when it comes to new episodes, stuff like that, you can uh, go there and that'll be like my updates. That'll be the, the best place to do it. Uh, if those aren't your thing, you know, social media isn't your thing, you can go ahead and subscribe to the podcast itself and it will let you know when um, new episodes come out. Uh, yeah, but that's all I wanted to really say. Now, going into this episode, if you recall, I'm not sure how far back this was. I would say probably episode one, maybe. The depression episode. Uh, a lot of you have heard it already, but um, that is in that episode, I talk about a book called The Power of Now. Um, and I felt like, well, back then I was probably like chap uh, chapter five. But I wanted to go ahead and finish that book, which I have. I've done, I've read through it twice. Well, I actually listened to it on audio, but uh, I went through it twice and I wanted to give you guys a full review on it. So that's what this episode is going to be about. Um, there's a lot to it. So let's get it cracking. So The Power of Now, it's a guide to spiritual enlightenment. It's kind of like a, I guess you could call it a self-help book. I, I'm not sure if that's exactly what it is, but I, that's how I would qualify it. It's kind of one of those things that you read and it's, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. The book is The Power of Now um, and the author is Eckhart Tolle, uh, Tolle sorry, excuse me. But um, he, the, so the book is narrated by the author himself. I didn't know that. So um, before I was kind of like, you know, it's, I, I didn't really like the narration of it, but I definitely understand why they chose to go that route, considering it's the author, you know, uh, recording his own material. So it's only the right way, you know, it's the right way to do it. So I'm, I, I retract that last statement, although I'm not, you know, too keen on, uh, you know, the, the, just the pacing and, you know, the, the, the monotone kind of premise to it. It's, I see why they did it. And this book has about 10 chapters and in total, I think it's about like eight hours long. So it is a long read, I guess. Uh, if you're listening to it on audio, it takes it took me like eight hours and I went through it twice only because there's so much and the information in this is so like compact is very it's you know, it you got to really focus when you're listening to this book. Um, but like I said, there's about 10 chapters in it. Um and they go over a lot of things. So basically what this book is, uh, and I'll go kind of section by section and give you a little bit of a breakdown of each, but it is 
teaching you a lot of things uh, about the way your brain works and the way that people tend to identify with their mind and their thoughts. And honestly, that's always the way I've been. I can't imagine, like, why would I separate that? Like the two notion, the, to, to the notion that I have, you know, an ego with thoughts that is something of its own manifestation, its own, it has its own life to it versus like, it's coming from me. So why wouldn't it just, why wouldn't we be one in the same? So that was something that it was weird to hear <laughs> to me, but it makes complete sense as I was going through the book and it's changed my life in a lot of ways. Uh, my perspective in a lot of ways, it's more, I'm more, much more conscious of how crazy my, 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 my mind is running, you know, without pretty much without my permission. And <laughs> it's, uh, something I never thought about before, but the first chapter is you are not your mind. So this is pretty much what it's going over. It's telling you, it's letting you know that you are not attached to your thoughts. You are, these are just fleeting things that they come, they, they present themselves to you or, you know, it's almost like you have another person talking to you and they teach you, well, they tell you that they're, they're two different entities. They're not, you are not one in the one and the same. But uh, a little bit of a background who the who this author is. He is somebody who has studied these things for a very long time. He's lived with uh, Zen masters, monks, uh, people of different spiritual teachings, and he's learned from them. And he's kind of had his own personal journey through like poverty and stuff like that. And he was very he found enlightenment, I guess you could say. <laughs> and as the uh, the review goes on, <laughs> I'm going to be saying things that sound very uh, <laughs> culty, <laughs> but it's not. It's just uh, the, the uh, attachment to certain words is very, you know, it's, it's people develop these, these certain uh attachment to words so like for example one of the words they go over in the book is uh surrender a lot of people see that with a negative connotation to it it's not the way that the book intends this is it kind of has you rewire your understanding of certain words and kind of like not grasp negativity too much because that's something that a lot of people do they hold on to negative thoughts and negative feelings so when they say things like surrender or um, what's another word that they use? Uh, they'll come to me as, as time goes on, but, uh, it's, uh, they use a lot of words that typically are negative, but it's only because we perceive them as negative and negative is really what we, what is something that we as humans have in us. It's the, it's not, uh, it's not the, the word or the situation. It's us giving it a negative spin. So that's that's another thing that they cover. But like I said, I'm getting ahead of myself. I do that often. So they're talking about how chapter one, you are not your mind. It kind of breaks down those barriers that you guys are one in the like you and your thoughts are one in the same. And that's something that I have to it, it, they tell you that there's going to be a lot of things in the book that are very repetitive. So they're going to go over ideas constantly and, you know, and always make, you know, give you different examples trying to say the same thing they do that a lot and i get why you know they're trying to drive a point home you're trying to make it stick in your head so that you know you know you you build these things and you're able to do them on your own so when they're talking about you are not your mind they're talking about uh the ego and how the ego itself is what you know the pain body the ego these are the things that give you these negative looks and perspectives on life and what they're basically saying is that when you identify with that, that's what gives you all these negative thoughts. And that's what makes you, you know, go into these random, you know, tangents of thought that, you know, you have all these different scenarios and these different options that haven't even happened yet. And they teach you how 
the power of now is the way to escape all that. So when you're sitting there having all these negative thoughts, it's your ego and your mind controlling you. And some ways out of that is grounding yourself in the moment, in the, in this current moment, this this moment right here where you're listening to me talk and I'm sitting in a chair in front of a microphone. They teach you how to ground yourself in presence. I'm getting a little bit into the second chapter, but that's pretty much uh, the way out. So, and actually, coincidentally, chapter two is called The Way Out. <laughs> so... The way out of it is, like, for example, use your sensory. There are tons of ways you can do this, but you're supposed to use, like, your sensory uh, tools, I guess you could say. So when you smell something, that is a way for you to be grounded in the moment. Like, what is that smell? That takes you out of your thought process. And it's not even like um, you have to force yourself to do this. It's it's a very natural reaction if you notice uh, if... Um, you know, you're sitting in a chair that's really comfy. You instantly, the minute you sit, you know how comfy that you, 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 your mind takes note that you're sitting in something very comfortable. If you feel like the material on a rug and you feel like you, t- like even if you're petting your dog, you know, you're touching a cat or a dog or some kind of animal, you, you take note of their coarse hair, you know, how soft they are. You, you, especially with pets, I and and that's something that while I was reading this book, uh, I live with a dog, so I go, I I use, <laughs> sorry Gonzo, I use the dog for a lot of that grounding. Like I'll go over and pet her when I feel like my brain is going too crazy. I'll go and touch her, play with her, and and she kind of grounds me in the moment. She kind of puts me, she t- she takes me out of that mind frame where the the ego and my brain is just running the show. And kind of melts all that away, and I'm, you know, I'm in the moment with the dog. So it's a lot of stuff like that. If I'm sitting in a chair that's uncomfortable, you know, like right now, <laughs> it's keeping me in the now. My brain isn't wandering off somewhere um, because I'm so focused on the chair I'm sitting on, or the rug under my feet, or the wind. You know, if I'm sitting outside, the wind passing through my clothes, or the sun, the heat from the sun, I can feel it on my body, I can feel it on my face. These are things that ground you in the now. You know, the uh, the sound of a car going by, you know, you start paying attention to things that, that keep you from letting your mind run, run wild. And that's, that's pretty much what the uh, second chapter is about. They give you all these different avenues that you can take to make sure that you are in the moment. Because they also hit on the fact that the moment is all we really have. Past is the past and future is the future. But we have no way of knowing those things. We have no way of predicting or, you know, reliving those moments. So when you're, even though you're, you're you know, it could have been anything. Like, let's say you, uh, you made a great business deal or something like that. And you're like, damn, remember that time when, you know, I... I made a great deal and we made so much money and blah, blah, blah. Or that time you hit a home run at a, like a, like a, at a clutch moment in a game. Or if you, you know, it could be anything. But a lot of people like to ego stroke. And that's kind of like a harsh way of putting it. But like ego stroke that what's happened already and live in those moments versus the moment that they have present in front of you. So that's another thing that they try to hit is... That your past and your future are intangible moments in your life. There is no, they don't exist. But the human human beings tend to to let their mind wander in those places. And you're so preoccupied with what's going on in the past or the future that you're not making use of the moment in your presence. And that's kind of something that they touch they touch on a lot. Uh, the third chapter is uh, strategies for avoiding the now. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped one. Uh, moving deeply into the now. So another, you know, and I've I've touched, I kind of just, I'm trying to keep track of the chapters, but I, I you know how I go. So I, uh, another thing they're talking about is uh, how to get, you know, find different levels of consciousness. And having different levels of consciousness, you know, you always got to start small. So the things that I was mentioning before, like the sensory uh, things that you can use to ground yourself in the in the moment, 
is, you know, the beginning. And then eventually you'll be able to pick up when you're wandering off, when your brain is starting to take control. And the way they describe it in the book is to become a thinker, uh, to become the silent watcher, the silent thinker or the silent watcher. It's the watcher. So your brain, you'll be able to eventually divide yourself from your thoughts and your ego and your brain and the pain body, and which I'll get into a little later. But it's they 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 tell you that eventually you'll be able to identify when your brain is going off on a tangent and they tell you not to you know let those thoughts pass let those emotions pass be aware that it's not you doing that it's your brain and your ego doing that so the only way that the brain that the uh, mind and the ego can survive is with time and uh, you lending the power to that so without time and without you paying attention to it, those negative thoughts and feelings can't exist. And the ego wants to survive. It wants to be in charge all the time. So it's going to constantly send these thoughts your way. It's going to constantly, you know, put a spin on certain things all the time. And you giving into those things and feeding that and listening to that is you feeding your ego and and feeding the pain body. And without those things, the 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 ego needs those things to survive. It's not going to make it. So it, I mean, like any living thing, it wants to survive. And this sounds very crazy. I know <laughs> this sounds, this sounds very crazy because I, like I said, I didn't think of it as like a separate personality. It's almost like telling you, you have multiple personalities or a separate entity. That's like sharing a body with you or something like that. Um, but the more you listen, the more you understand. And, and, the only reason that it sounds weird coming from me is because because I'm not going into as much detail as the author does. So when it's coming from me, I'm kind of leaving out like certain pieces of information that might, you know, change your perspective on that. But um, it's not as crazy as it sounds. Don't think it is. Uh, so as you get deeper into the now, you'll start noticing, like, for example, if a dog is barking, you'll be paying attention to the sound of silence before and after the dog start starts barking or the dog barking will be for this is an example obviously but the dog barking will be your grounding moment it'll be what brings you in touch with the now so you'll start to eventually use different tools and go even 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 longer you know, without thinking about certain things, or you'll leave, you'll be able to go, uh, you know, you won't react the same way that you would if something bad happened, because it's just your brain putting a negative spin on things. And this is when they get into like, your uh, life situations and stuff like that. Um, so you, you, your mind is, you know, something bad happens, let's say you're speeding, you get a ticket. You get a ticket from a cop because you were speeding. Now, yes, is it a negative? Is it going to have a negative impact on your driving record? Maybe on your finances, uh, your insurance, stuff like that? Yes, it will. But you have three options when it comes to this situation. Uh, in any situation, really. But I'm just using this one as an example. You can either A, make a big deal out of it and you know, struggle to cope with the fact that you received this ticket of your own doing. B, you can accept it and realize that, hey, this is something I did. This is something that, uh, you know, I earned this ticket. I, I broke the law. The cop caught me. It is what it is. Or you can let it go and just move on with your life. You can just let it go and don't hang on to anything further. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That was the first second one. So this one is more like changing. You got to change your outcome. Like you got to you got to do something better. You got to go fight the ticket or, you know, something of that nature. So you can either just to reiterate because I fucked that up. You can, <laughs> you can either bitch and complain. Let it go. 
or take some sort of action. Those are your three options in any situation that you come across. Those are your th- those are essentially your three options. People usually get hang, get hang up on the first one, get hung up on the first one, and don't really think of the other two as options. I mean, it is what it is, is, is a very popular term these days. And I think that's coming around a little bit more. Like people aren't paying attention as much to the negative aspect of things. But those are your three options. So if you're not doing those three things, the rest is not worth your time. Don't even bother because that is just something that's going to impact you negatively and it's going to consume all your time and you know you'll be upset for it with it for you know you'll be set about you'll be upset about that ticket for days you know maybe even week you'll you'll go i i mean i've been in situations before where i've been upset about something and a month later i'm still like upset about it or talking about it granted this was a different point in my life but it's easy to do it's very easy a, a very easy mindset to take hold of you so those are your three options and if you're not doing those two things, like I said, you're wasting your energy, you're wasting your time. Um, the next uh, chapter is mind strategies for avoiding the now, but that's kind of like what I was just saying. You know, you have your three options, and these are things that your mind puts in your way to keep you from realizing that it doesn't matter at the end of the day. It's a moment in time, it's a life situation. It doesn't mean that that life situation is your life it's just an event that happened you recognize it you you understand that this is something out of out of my control and i have my three options is what i can do about it and then after that let it go let it go and come right back into the present moment it's just a situation you have to handle and that'll be any situation in your life it comes up whether it's positive or negative it's there is no positive or negative it just is what it is and if you look at things more that way, you'll hold on to a lot less feelings about that situation and you won't consume yourself with the outcome of that situation. So that's something else. Um, so the state of presence uh, it would be chapter five. And I, I know I'm kind of mixing these things up a little bit. Uh, I know that I'm not like cut and dry. This is the chapter, blah, blah, blah. But the uh the state of presence is being able to be in the now and recognizing the way uh you know certain things affect your brain like i said already said that um so chapter six we'll skip chapter five chapter six is the inner body now this is uh where they talk about the pain body this is where they talk about the ego a little bit more um they go really in depth about how it will affect you. So when they're talking about the inner body, they're talking about, first of all, it's a tool for you to ground yourself in the now. And they go through, like I said, they'll give you these tools as the chapters go on, but being able to recognize your heartbeat. If you sit still long enough and you really concentrate, you can feel the energy and the power flowing through your body. I know I can. I know this is a, this sounds a little crazy if you've never even, you know, thought to look inside yourself. (laughs) But like, I can feel the energy coursing through my veins, I can feel the power in my muscle, I can feel my heart rhythm and beat and and I can I, I can tell that I'm, you know, I'm nervous, I can tell if I'm calm, I can tell, you know, even like things that you're breathing, Being able to recognize the flow, the rate of your breathing, the quality of your breathing. These are things that you carry with you all the time that can always, it's like a Swiss army knife of being able to ground yourself in the now. It really does a lot of things for you when you're looking inside yourself. And inside yourself, aside from this great tool that you can use to ground yourself in the moment, there also is something called a pain body. So now you have the pain body, which is something that hungers for negativity. It hungers for uh, conflict, and it's a it, it's something that gets stimulated when you, you know, if for example, if somebody almost hits you, you know, while you're driving on the road, your pain body is what gives you that anger, that that what the fuck moment, that reaction that is 
hostile towards this individual who could have just made an honest mistake. And a lot of people, you know, depending on where you live, some people are better drivers than in other places. But I've learned that even if it was like a malicious attempt to like squeeze in before an exit or, you know, it was just some guy being an asshole. I identify that this is just a situation. Let it go. Don't feed that inner pain body because it just starts there and you'll see it snowball. So it could be that one day and then all of a sudden, like every time somebody does something, whether it's an accident or not, while you're driving, you're going to get upset. You're going to you're going to keep feeding that and stimulating that that uh, pain body. And it's just going to hunger for more. It's just going to shout out to Lloyd Banks. It's just going to hunger for more and it's just going to keep going and, uh, you know, keep feeding on these negative thoughts. You become almost like livestock (laughs) your emotions your thoughts your energy becomes this like feeding tube for this pain body that hungers for these things and they go and i'll go into this a little bit later but they even talk about it in relationships and how couples get addicted to that pain body feeling that because it 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 can it i can understand that it feels good to be negative sometimes you know what i mean i i've i'm guilty of that i've been guilty of feeling you know upset about something and just letting it go like fuck it i'll feed it and i'll feed into it even more and you know i'll just i just feels good to get it out and you're not really getting anything out it's more the fact that you're stimulating the pain body and that's why it feels good it's not that the negativity feels good it's not that the you know the the obviously the situation doesn't feel good you know you know you wouldn't have been upset if it felt good but the fact that you're feeding that is like a guilty pleasure. You're the fact that you're feeding the pain body. And they teach you that too. That the, the pain body is just some this this cannibal of energy and thoughts that it needs to survive. And you can it, and it's not even like like I've been guilty of getting like annoyed with the dog when it barks too much. Like that's something that has annoyed me, but I realize that's feeding the pain body. The dog is gonna bark regardless of what you do. I mean, you can train a dog not to bark, but how else is it going to communicate? You know, I mean, a dog can show you stuff, but if there's danger, if it feels threatened, if it's, you know, if it's seeing a situation and doesn't like it, it will bark. That's what it does. <laughs> so I've become a lot more lenient with that. I've been, I've had an issue with the dogs barking and shit, especially like if you don't live with a dog very often. And, you know, this is only the second dog I've lived with. So. You know, this one barked way more than my my previous uh, living situation. So for me, it's something I'm coping with. But it's things like that that teach you to let it go and, you know, keep moving. And don't pay attention to those things because those things are just life situations, just instances that your egoic mind, your pain body is just trying to get you to feed into. And a lot of this is like a very, a lot of self-discipline. And which I like because... If you guys have heard like some of my previous episodes, I talk about discipline a little bit and I, you know, I feel like it's an essential thing. This is also these exercises that they they try and get you to to make happen and manifest and do. It's, you know, it's training those those things about yourself, you know, the discipline to say, hey, my brain's running and running wild. I need to I need to reel it in a little bit. Or, you know, recognize that, hey, I'm doing these negative things that are going to impact my 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 emotions, my my overall well-being in a negative way. And it helps you hold yourself accountable to identifying those things and correcting them as you see them happen. And another thing they hit home to is that this is like a constant thing you're going to be working on. It's not like you know, by the end of the book, you're going to be 100% and you can do this and you're not going to even have a negative thought for the rest of your life. No. It is an ever-going process and it's always something that you'll have to work on and strive for if you want to be successful at it. And it does take a lot. I've heard this book twice and it's something I'm still, you know, the first time I heard it, I felt like it was much easier because it was fresh in my mind and it was very like, oh my God, I'm, I'm hanging on to every word and this is, and this is, uh, you know, all new information to me. But as time goes on, you know, and I, I just finished listening to it for a second time, but as time goes on, 
you start to lax a little bit back into those habits, into those negative, you know, mindsets and stuff like that. So it will fade over time, but the more you work on it, it'll become so much easier, I promise you. Because I'm doing it, you know, I'm I'm fine. I'm getting very deep into it now, uh, a lot deeper than when I first heard the book. But I am, it's these things are starting to to work for me, and it's changed the way. You know, I'll get into what I've really gotten out of the book in a minute, but it really has changed the way I think and the way I monitor myself. Um. So then they talk about in chapter seven, uh, portals. It's called portals into the unmanifested. And the unmanifested, this one's kind of a tricky one because it, it, I kind of didn't get it too much. Um, and don't get me wrong, there is a lot of information in this book. So, and they go, they backtrack so far and they kind of like bring something they've said and apply it into the next chapter. And it just compounds all this information, but it does get confusing uh, by the end of it. So that's one thing that I was just kind of like, ah, I'm, I'm kind of confused, but uh, when it comes into the unmanifested and stuff like that, what they're essentially uh, saying is, I actually don't even know how to put it. <laughs> it's uh, the unmanifested is kind of things that actually hold on. Sorry, I had to go back and look because I was laying an egg. But <laughs> so the unmanifested is kind of like your unconscious your your the 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 realm you can't touch the things you can't manifest <laughs> it's uh they go they talk about like uh dreams uh they even go into death and they even go into things that you aren't able to control and the manifested is only, you know, the 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 world of form, I guess you could say. It's the world of uh, tangible things. Things that you can't, that you can control. The unmanifested, on the other hand, is a very difficult place to reach. Because it all comes with your time, your train, your, your practice of, you know, the power of now and all that. And that's the only way you can get to the unmanifested. There are, you know, portals, they talk about portals into the unmanifested. And in the end, it's really about your, your level of consciousness, which is something they go over a lot in the book too. And your level of consciousness just depends how grounded you are in in the moment and if you're grounded in the moment all the time you have a very high level of consciousness and people perceive the body as the self which is not the case the body is just like a vehicle it's a it's a place that you exist in because it's a manifestation it's it's the world we live in and if you, you know, if you, and this is like, like, so, cause they kind of go on a little bit of, uh, like, this is kind of something that they believe in the book, which it, it, this is where it gets tricky because a lot of people have different beliefs, but they also go into like death. And when they're talking about death, they talk about how, you know, you see the light at the end of the tunnel. That is consciousness. That is the unmanifested and because of fear of the unknown and because of, you know, the amount of work you might not have done on your own person, it is something that people turn away from or shy from. When you die, you're dead. Your body is no longer of use to you. So your consciousness is what remains. And they, this is what they say, at least, you know, if you're not, if you're not conscious enough and you're not who you are or you're, you don't realize that your consciousness and who you are as a person is not your ego it's not your mind then they say that you know you'll essentially be turning away <laughs> from the afterlife or some shit i'm not sure if that's you know exactly what they meant but that's just how i kind of picked up on it um 
they talk about God too. They talk about, they use a lot of parables and a lot of uh, excerpts from certain books and certain uh, religious teachings and stuff like that. So they're going to reference God a lot. But it's not a religious, you know, it's not like a religious book. It's not like some kind of cult that is trying to get you to get on the on board with them. It's really about what God means. And they go over this in the earlier chapters that God is the word God has been kind of lost over time because it's been used so, you know, just left and right. People say God all the time. So it's kind of lost its significance as time has gone on. And the key to finding God, you know, as the book tells us, the good book, um, I think it's the Old Testament. I'm not really versed really well. But uh, the, in the Old Testament, they tell you the way of the cross, which is through your suffering, you find salvation. And what they mean by that is there's going to come a point where you break and you accept and you realize that this is an insurmountable amount of difficulty. And then once you let go of that, once you realize that you can only do as much as you can, there is no, there is nothing to hold on to. There is no power that's going to come in and, and step in. There is no... You know, nobody's going to come in and lend you a hand. It's there's some salvation in that because not you don't give up, but you surrender to the idea that you are only capable of so much. There's only so much within your control. And they loop that back into the power of now, how you only have so much in your control in this moment right here, right now. So there's no point in you hoping for something that is not within your power. You cannot predict things you cannot uh, control things you know outside of what you're able to do right now so when they say you know the path of the cross they're talking about um, going through these tasks and these trials and tribulations that will lead you back to acceptance and acceptance the the relief of that consciousness and that ego is the love of god it, it, it is being grateful for the life you have in your hands. I know that hopefully I'm making sense, dude, because I know it, there's a lot to this book and there's a lot going on. So I'm just trying to make this as clear as possible because really, you, if you're not, if you haven't heard the book, you may just give up on this review. <laughs> but uh, hopefully I'm explaining it correctly. Um now, the uh, chapter 8, chapter 9, they go into, well, chapter 8, let's start there, goes into relationships and how the there is t a lot of toxicity in relationships that is uh, able to be, you know, it's very addictive. And that's two individuals who are feeding into the negative pain, the, the pain body who are feeding into their egos, you know, letting that keep you from apologizing to somebody, letting that stop you, your ego stop you from knowing when you're wrong, you know, and it makes so much sense because as somebody who recently got out of a relationship, it's something that I've always worked on, but it's something that I can see ending relationships. It's something I can see. It, it makes perfect sense why two individuals are in, in like an on and off relationship. And they are, even though it's a bad setup, you know, even though, you know, one person might be violent or one person might be or the other might be, you know, malicious in the things they say. Things like that create like this toxic cycle of of pain and suffering that becomes addictive it becomes weird if you're not in a relationship like that because it's what you're used to so when something great happens or something great com comes along a lot of the times if you're not aware of yourself and what you're doing you can you can turn that you you, you can turn that into a negative relationship into a, a pain body relationship and negativity is is, is contagious 
It, and it really is. I mean, you if you just think about how many times you've gone to work and your coworkers are talking shit about another coworker because of something they did or, you know, they may have fucked up somehow at work and, and now everybody knows about it. it. Things like that, that's negativity and that's so contagious because it's like, even though maybe minor, like, you know, spreading gossip and rumors, that is a malicious intent on somebody else whether you really don't whether you know it or not and that that contagious negativity is something that you can transfer from one relationship to a brand new relationship you can be a negative person and change the person you're with who's not you know not normally negative into a negative person so that kind of relationship you know you have to start from within and change it from within for it to to change without from within and like within the person then without being around you anyways they talk about how energy is something that's very important and it will it will be something that is readable to other people because people pick up on that and something else that they say which i found very interesting and they have a lot of like nuggets like these in the uh in the content but one of the one of the things that they share is if you notice animals anything outside of a human being isn't inherently negative they may uh, uh you know a skunk may spray you not because he wants to do you harm or fuck up your day it's because he's scared it's a natural instinct to defend yourself so that's their their mode of defense but they're not negative they're not they're not sitting there you know waiting for you to come around the corner and and don't and spray you <laughs> that actually happened to me that's why i'm bringing it up but it's uh animals are not inherently negative like they give an example of two ducks you know, you've seen if if anybody has been to like a pond and there's ducks around, they may like flap their wings and and get aggressive with each other for no reason at all. It may be because uh, territorial reasons. It may be because mating reasons. It may be because, you know, two different groups of ducks or some shit. I don't know. But they do handle this. They choose to handle the situation there. And then they'll flap their wings a couple times and get that excess anger out of them or energy out of them i don't even know if ducks can be angry but energy out of them and after that they're cool they're fine they don't hold on to things no animal holds on to these these uh these these weird negative uh tendencies only animals that are close proximity with humans do that and it's true dogs maybe a cat you know, depending on how you treat them, they will, they will, they will embody that negative energy. If you hit a dog, if you beat a dog, the dog is going to be, you know, defensive towards humans, it's going to be upset, it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, very scared of human beings. But dogs have been man's best friend for so long that they are inherently, they gravitate towards humans. They, they want to be the companion of man. So if you treat a dog really well, they're going to treat, all, the dog will typically treat all other humans well. And that's all about who has made this dog good or bad. And good or bad is not really the way the dog thinks either. It's just a tendency that humans are instilling in these animals. Just because they have close proximity with these humans. Only animals that are close to humans have that negative or positive outlook and that's something that i thought was very interesting because it's it's true it's evident you can see that um so i went over uh seven eight uh chapter nine which was very interesting was it's called beyond happiness and unhappiness there is peace and I agree with this very much. A lot of the stuff in the book I agreed with, actually. But something about this book, it, te- it it tells you that, you know, happiness and unhappiness, these are just things that you create. And I, I touched on this a little a little bit earlier, but situations are not positive. They're not negative. They just are. Same thing with 
the way you know something whether whether it benefits you or hurts you in any way could be different to multiple people depending on the situation so that's one thing and then if you put a negative or positive spin on things that is what's going to make it a negative or positive situation otherwise it wouldn't be that way so if you learn to let the idea of what is happiness and what is unhappiness go you are going to be able to be much more well grounded in your everyday life in things that you normally would do you're not going to let the the measure of how happy or unhappy something makes you change you know your trajectory in your day to day or or shit like that and because you're not identifying with these these emotions that the ego uh, and the and you know that kind of pain body presents to you you're not going to be phased when things happen. You're going to be much more at ease when something really bad happens, like a, a, a significant person in your life dying. You're going to handle those storms much more calmly and way, way better if you don't associate everything between good and bad, happiness, unhappiness, uh, you know, what's a pain in the ass to do and what's, you know, a pleasure to do. Those things are what make your make you feel good or bad throughout the day. And if you just let those kind of things go, that perception of good and bad and all that stuff your brain feeds you, you're gonna be happier. And you, and without trying to be, you're gonna be way more. And they say at peace. So I guess that's really the correct way to put it. You're gonna be much more at ease when things happen. And the final chapter, chapter 10, would be the meaning of surrender. So this one, they're kind of going over like, uh, I feel like in this chapter, they went over a lot of like questions and stuff like that, that, you know, and, and that's the way the book is going throughout the whole time. It's, you know, you're it's almost like the, the author, who is also narrating the book, he's talking to in two individuals almost like students that he's teaching to, you know, uh, manifest these practices and do these things. So during the reading, they're asking questions and he's answering certain questions. And a lot of these questions are questions that I, that popped into my head. So it's not like a useless tactic. It is actually something that helps when it comes to uh, you reading the book. Um, because a lot of questions are going to come up as you're hearing this information. And he tends to answer a lot of them. I, at least the questions that came up in my head, he, he pretty much answered all of them. So that's really uh, one of the things that, you know, you might take a little getting used to. Um, but it does help. And so when they're talking about surrender, they're talking about being able to take away the negative connotation of surrender and going more into, you know, uh, accepting the way things are. And the way you accept things is going to determine how you go through your life. And like I said, there is no positive or negative situation. There just is, there just are situations. So, they kind of like tie it all up in a nice little bow at the end when they're going over all these questions and stuff like that. But that's essentially what the book is about. Um, and I'm not sure if I really did a good job on this review. Uh, this is my first one, so hopefully I did a good job. But I'm going to get into a little bit now about like what I got out of it. Like what is what is really uh, what I found to be important. Really? All of it. Uh, not all of it, but a lot of it. And I'm the type of, like I, I've said this before, I am, I like to think of myself as like a student of the world who takes lessons and, and things wherever I can get them. Because there's so many people on this planet that have so many different experiences. I couldn't possibly have them all. You know what I mean? I couldn't, I couldn't possibly <laughs> experience. I, there's so much in this world and so much in this life and, I didn't have a lot of uh, starts that other people had in terms of like uh, different kind of lifestyles. You know, I had like a good home and all that. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. It's just there are things that other people can tell me 
you know, and I can learn from those experiences because I'm unable to have them myself. So whether it be something like, uh, um, something at home that, you know, was tragic in someone's life or very trauma traumatic in their life, you know, I, there's stuff I can learn from that. You know, there's stuff I can learn from people. And this is something that I think everybody should take a listen to. Uh, cause I heard it when I was going through my depression and anxiety and when I, when that, I mean, you know, you you're always going to deal with depression, um, and anxiety if you have it, you know, it's just the way it is. But this kind of diffuses a lot of those raging bombs that are going off in your head. These, these frantic situations you put yourself in. This kind of like rewires your brain and teaches you that you're giving strength to these thoughts. You're giving strength to these emotions and these quote unquote issues that you're having. Even though, you know, nobody's coming knocking down your door for retribution you know what i mean nobody's coming nobody the hammer's not falling on you in your brain when you're going through these these types of emotion uh you know this this disorder and anxiety it's the hammers you you are the hammer that you're 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 throwing down on yourself so i honestly think everybody whether you have uh depression anxiety or not it is something that will change your day-to-day outlook I mean, it may not change your life right away. It did. It made a significant change in my life right away, but only I think only because I have you know depression and anxiety. So those are things that really helped me out in this book, dealing with depression and anxiety. Um, if you're you know if you're letting if you're someone who stays up all night thinking about things, you know, and that's not even having to do with depression and anxiety. Like some people just stay up. And think at you know you're you're up at three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, and you just can't fall asleep because you're thinking too much. This will help you out with that. I I feel like it would help me out with that because I I have those bouts you know late night can't sleep for some reason even though I am tired, but I'm thinking about a million different things. And just like for an example, uh, when that happens to me, I really feel like I, I bring myself to my sensory funk like uh, perception so I'll like touch the bed you know I re- recognize how soft it is you know I'll I'll shift to a comfortable position I'll recognize if I'm uncomfortable I'll focus more on those things that are grounding me in the moment and that kind of peels back the layers of you know subconscious thinking that I'm doing about this or that or deadlines or whatever so if you're that kind of person too if you're the kind of person that likes to stay up and doesn't like to, but if you're the kind of person that stays up and constantly drills things and thoughts and just loses control of your peace, this book is going to help you with that. And for anybody that, you know, has that, it just, just feels like they want to wake up a little more, like not be so out of touch with, with what is in your face. Because that, that's happened to me where, you know, I'm so lost in the future or the past that I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing or I'm just kind of like cruising through the day, going through, you know, the motions. That's something that this book will help you with. It'll train you to be much more present. And being present is really, really the importance of life, I would say. Because when something bad happens, like a family member dying, or something great happens, like you find out you're going to be a father or mother. It uh, can instantly steal the shine from these moments. And whether you're bringing life in or watching life leave, these are moments you want to experience in its fullness. You don't want to, in the case of somebody dying, for example, you don't want to cover up and blanket those feelings and then deal with them after the funeral, after all these things are gone and you still be holding this this package, this this luggage of you know, sadness and and possibly regret or anger or whatever whatever emotions you need to get out of the way. You should get them out of the way when that happens. Or do your best to to, to unpack most of the the feelings that you're going to have if somebody is dead or dying 
and vice versa if you find out you have your your you're having a kid for example you can easily be blasted off into the future of okay now i have to work so many hours or now i have to start providing in a different way or now i have to you know worry about you know health insurance that how much is that going to be taken out of my check now that i have a family and you know merging you know finances and opening funds and just all this crazy shit like what about college and those are all things that you while those thoughts are good you know you the fact that you're thinking ahead in anticipation for a new life being born you can easily project yourself into all these future worries that you have no control over unless you're in the moment and making sure that you take the necessary steps and it's not to say that you shouldn't plan for the future but sometimes planning is all you can do and everything you know all the stress and and negativity that associates with planning for something huge can take you out of the experience of holding your child for the first time and being in that moment in that hospital room with you know the person that you had this child with so it's a lot of things like that that it's i think it's as somebody who worked who has and is always continuing to work on themselves I feel that it is important. These things are important to experience. Life, you know, they say you never get second chances in life and all that shit. And you only have one. All very true. But just because you're you're perceiving things that way doesn't mean you're living that way. And it may be a very small, you know, step to start thinking this way and start doing things this way. But that's something that I think everybody can benefit from. It's it's not just about, you know, being the most successful. It's not just about being, you know, this famous individual or attaining all these accolades or whatever the case is. You should work on yourself. Working on yourself is going to help you get through so many different things. And... Your ship is only going to weather the storm if you've built it correctly, if it's if it's a suitable vessel to take you across the sea of life. But that shit in the fortune cookie. But uh, yeah, if you haven't heard it yet, the power of now is the name of the book. I listened to it on uh, Audible. Um, so in audible, you know, you get a free book if you sign up. So that's how I did it. But I think I'm going to make a subscription to audible and that way I can, um, do more of these. And, you know, I like, I like to learn things. So if I'm able to like read a bunch of books or listen to a bunch of books and, you know, do these once in a while, if I find something really good or really interesting, I won't bombard y'all with this shit, but, <laughs> uh, I feel like it's important. So the book is, again, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Uh, if you haven't heard it, take a listen. Um, I can't give you guys like a sample or anything like that, but uh, it really is a great experience uh, if you're into that stuff. So, yeah, that's my review on it. Um, and once again, just to reiterate, thank you so much for sticking with the channel. I know I'm not uh, sticking with the podcast. I keep saying channel, and it's fucking annoying <laughs> i don't know why but I, I i do and thank you so much for sticking with me i know like i said my consistency's dropped a little bit um but it's not forever uh i appreciate it i appreciate you guys taking the time to listen um i just hit a little bit of a milestone 500 downloads which i'm f fucking stoked for very excited to, to to know that people are actually listening and tuning in that's something that I did not, ex you know, I didn't really expect, but you know, it's a, it's a milestone. I, I'm proud of it, <laughs> but, um, I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Uh, like I said, if you, if you, uh, haven't joined the autocast, uh, group page on Facebook, it's out there. Uh, just type in, uh, the autocast and it should come up. And then also on, uh, my Instagram, it would be at the autocaster. And that should bring you up 
uh, let me spell it out. Uh, T-H-E-A-U-T-O-C-A-S-T-E-R. Uh, hopefully I did that right. But um, yeah, the Autocaster. Send me a request. That's where I update um, all my stuff. So if I do have something new coming out, I'll be posting them either on Facebook in that group page or on the uh, Autocaster Instagram page. So sign up, or not sign up, but follow. And then uh, if you want, subscribe to the channel. And you can listen to the Autocast on really any platform, Stitcher, uh, Radio Public, uh, obviously Apple, iTunes, Spotify, um, all those places. So go ahead and... uh, Subscribe to your platform of choice. But uh, thank you guys for listening. I very much appreciate it. Uh, my next guest will be... Uh, do I keep it a secret? No, I can't keep it a secret. Nah, fuck it. I won't keep it a secret. Uh, her name is... <laughs> her name is Kiara Picardo. So she'll be on the show. I believe I should be recording with her on Friday. So... I'll be doing that, and this is going to be a really good one. She is a actress, or I don't know if that's disrespectful to say actress. Actor, actress. I'll have to ask her. But um, she's going to be coming up, so I'm very excited about that. And, of course, more guests. I know you guys love guests, so I'll be uh, doing a lot more of these. So thank you guys for listening. I shall be posting this up probably tonight. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can get through it. But um, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. See you on the next one. Peace.